0: You're listening to GNT, the podcast from political blog The Groucho Tendency. I don't know about you, but I've been out and about every Thursday at eight o'clock clapping for our carers, the key workers, the people who are helping to keep our country going at this very difficult time. It's evolved, really, this rather bizarre Thursday night ritual from praising just the NHS to praising all essential workers who are helping the UK keep running at this unprecedented time. But there's one group in particular who perhaps have been somewhat Underreported, perhaps underappreciated, and that's and that's those who work in our social care sector. A survey out the day we record this fortuitously enough from the National Care Forum found that just twenty two percent of social workers considered a priority for a COVID nineteen test have been able to access one. This is despite the fact there is a rising trend of deaths emerging and infections emerging from care homes, and the importance of the community care sector as a whole has never been more prescient. To discuss this today, I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by Julie Earls, who is the director of Appoint Us Services, a community interest company based in Coventry, in Stonely to be exact, in the West Midlands. Julie, hello. Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. Enjoying the sunshine back today.
0: Excellent. Um, Can you just start off by telling us a little bit about the work that Appoint Us Services does, please?
1: Of course. So pre-COVID-19, Appoint Us is a community interest company, as you said, that provides support services to the elderly and vulnerable, predominantly across Coventry and Warwickshire. So that might be services such as one-to-one support, helping people reintegrate into the community, taking them shopping, spending time with them, cooking simple meals for them, doing whatever they want to do to make their life better. We also offered a range of therapeutic services, so that's using arts and music therapeutically, taking animals in to see people, care homes and individually, and Providing Advocacy and appointeeship and a range of other services other than personal care. Post-COVID, we're talking about, or during COVID, we're talking about a very, very different service, a very limited service where we expected to be really really busy but actually we're very very quiet and um, so we're currently doing just shopping I say just we're still doing it shopping for the elderly and vulnerable and singing at social distance and they're the only services we're currently operating other than still providing uh, socialization and co- cooked meals
0: for our, our existing clients. I mean that's very interesting stuff so you work across a wide range of the, the aspects of the social care and community care sector what's your sense from how the pandemic has affected the social and community care sector? As, as a whole in your part of the world?
1: I think it evolves on, a, on an almost daily basis. It certainly was evolve, evolving on an almost daily basis at the beginning, although it has kind of plateaued a little bit now. I think it's affected people in very many different ways and different ways to what they expected. So certainly for us, we expected to be majorly, majorly busy and yet we're majorly quiet I think care homes have had a massive impact on them because all of the things they normally do they're not being able to do and that impacts on their, the staff and the residents and I think you know social care social workers social services are doing an amazing job certainly here we're getting a lot of support from our local social care department and they're working endlessly to, to provide that support.
0: So one of the things I think it's probably beneficial for listeners to know is that social care doesn't fall under the National Health Service it's actually run by local government as a result so when you say the social care department you mean you're dealing with the local councils in that regard is that correct
1: the local councils and local social work teams Mm.
0: so these are groups of people that are very much embedded inside local government and the communities as a whole although there's a strong overlap with the nhs obviously i think a lot of people have heard a lot about care homes perhaps in the the the, for example the, the the mortality figures now include deaths in care homes as well are your team still going in and working in care homes at the moment julie
1: Nobody's allowed into care homes at the moment because of the government lockdown, however we thought creatively about how we can still access the people certainly that we used to access, access the residents that are in care homes and the staff that are in care homes, but also new ones. And we created, back at the beginning of March, a way of delivering music, using music therapeutically, but at social distance. So to start with, we would um, go out and pass a, a sanitised extension lead through a window or a door of a care home, and Kiara would set up in the grounds or gardens or wherever people could hear and, and sing sing to them songs that we used to sing to them in sing-alongs pre-COVID-19. We've, we've evolved on that a bit now. We now have a cordless power pack, so she, there is no contact whatsoever. But that's also evolved. Because we're not just doing it in care homes now, we're doing it in communities, to key workers, to other businesses that are still working, to the NHS. And it's just making a massive difference to people's spirits.
0: One of the things you mentioned at the start of the item, which I think a lot of people would find interesting, was that actually you seem to be quieter. There seems to be less business around for you than there was before the pandemic came about.
1: It's a strange one because, we, as I said, we thought we would really, be really busy because it's a service we offer 365 days of the year. And in actual fact, we lost 90% of our business in the first group of weeks. And I think there were so many people, so many people wanting to help neighbours, wanting to do good, and then there were volunteer groups set up. And it didn't matter that we were an established business, that our staff are insured, that they have enhanced DBS checks, that they have photo ID, and that it is something we do 365 days of the year. A lot of people were thinking, well, if I can get it for nothing, why would I want to pay you? And I certainly was hammered on Facebook by people, uh, How dare you rip people off in this time we're not doing anything other than what we've normally done. At the end of the day, my staff need to be paid. And we were doing it at break even. And it, it's really hard. There are a lot of volunteers out there. And I don't not volunteers. But we're we're tried and tested. And we, we've got to continue after COVID.
0: I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that a lot of people are taking it upon themselves at the moment to do a lot of very good things. But the, the sense of, of volunteers particularly is that this isn't a sustainable long-term thing for the kind of services that you provide. Because you were telling me before we started, your organisation employs 13 people. and you're As you say, you provide this services a year around but all but two of those you say are now on
1: furlough is that correct i've got two staff or three staff out there delivering a service and my accounts person obviously still needs to be in to generate uh, invoices and payroll but one of the people that my singing at social distance person for instance had enough work to do two days a week but not to do a full week but because of the way the furlough system works she either is furloughed or she's not furloughed So I couldn't afford as an organisation to pay her for a week when she only had two days work. So I furloughed her for three weeks and then brought her back for one week. The sun shone for three weeks. And on the week she was back, it rained every day. So bless her, she was out there with her umbrella singing in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but she's generated enough work since she's been back not to be refurlowed. So that's really positive.
0: Well, that's good. There's, there's little rays of sunshine in there as well. How is the, apart from the drop off in work that you've seen unexpectedly, how has the pandemic changed the kind of work you do day to day? How have you had to approach things in a new light?
1: It's changed it dramatically. We, um, we're we not able to obviously go and see a lot of the people that we used to see. And a lot of families are frightened of us going to see their relatives and their loved ones at the moment. So even though the person might want it, the family is saying, actually, no, we don't want you to. And on the reverse, there are families who are saying, we really want you to go in and see mum still because she misses you. She's isolated. She's lonely mum's in a care home and the care home won't let us go in. So it's about being creative. So we've done a lot of telephone contact with people that we usually see. And as I say, Chiara is now singing out in gardens and grounds and driveways instead of in places. My staff are, have always had, from, from the beginning of March, every item of PPE they need because that's important, keeping them safe and keeping our clients safe. And letting our clients know that we respect their safety is really important.
0: Do you feel you've got enough personal protective equipment or PPE for your staff to safely do their jobs?
1: Absolutely. Personally, I've never had any issue with accessing PPE. It's out there. It's available. Yes, we have to pay for it. We are a genuine not-for-profit company. But I have to say, making sure my staff and my customers are safe is of paramount importance. And if we lose money by doing that, then we lose money by doing it. But I won't stop buying PPE.
0: That's, that's, yeah, that's really interesting because a lot of people have said in the press, the NHS, for example, that, you know, we remember, for example, that flight from Turkey where they tried, the government's trying to get PPE into the country. Where are you sourcing your PPE from without naming any supplies specifically? Are, are you managing to get it from uh, domestic providers? Okay,
1: there are, there are lots of local providers that we can buy lots of it from. Um, we've had some from Amazon. The local authority just last week sent us their first lot of face masks, but that's all we've had uh, donated to us. Two companies have completely unprompted sent us face shield. That's the only thing we've been donated. We've paid for everything else. But I I just think that's incredible that people are out there and happy to donate it to people. We've never heard of them and they've just sent it to us. I think that's lovely.
0: That's brilliant. So let's look quickly, for example, on testing. So we we open this podcast with that statistic today from the National Care Forum saying that only one in five of essential social workers as apparently had access to a COVID-19 test if they needed it. Do you think testing needs to be expanded in your sector to help social workers and community care workers be able to get back into doing the job they they, they need to do so successfully? Again, I actually can't fault
1: locally the testing. We have testing in Coventry. You can get an appointment within, within half an hour, quite easy to get an appointment. However, the test only tells you if you have COVID-19, it would be really useful, I think, for our sector to know whether you have had it or whether you're immune to it so that you can safely return to work.
0: So once people begin to safely return to work, obviously we can't yet know how long this is going to go on for. Are you confident that your business will be able to be up and running after COVID-19 takes place? Because you occupy an interesting sector between the private sector and the public sector you? you sort of tend you tend to sit in the middle of both here how is your sense that either side is coping on a social care and a community care aspect during COVID-19
1: you're right we do sit in the middle we're completely independent of, of both well we could be up and running because we are still running however I think our sector will be one of the last that can safely return because we're dealing with vulnerable people I think care homes will will take longer to be unlocked because they've got so many cases of COVID and they're dealing with very vulnerable people. And I think social care, certainly my experience with Warwickshire social care is they are working seven days a week, 24 hours a day to provide the best service they can to the people in in their area.
0: Before we started, you expressed to me some frustration about how the grants and funding system worked in your sector. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that, please? (laughs)
1: Certainly. I've had a nightmare with funding. As I say, we are genuinely not profit. We have zero reserve. And so losing 97% of our business in three weeks was a massive shock to us. It was like, how can I manage this? We applied for lots and lots of different grants and fell at the first hurdle or the second hurdle and didn't get anywhere. We did manage to get the small business Great Relief Grant, which was amazing. Weekend before last, I spent the whole weekend applying for 50 grants. And I've heard about from one, which we first successfully, which was wonderful. I find it really difficult because we're not a charity. It's like falling between um, health and social care and private sector. We fall between, we're not a limited company. Not a charity, we're not part of the local authorities enterprises. We're a community interest company, we're unheard of, and nothing seems to have been specific to community interest companies at all. And so everything I've applied for, we've been turned down for, and it gets to the stage where you spend so you invest a lot of time in applying for grants to get turned down. And I kind of got to the point where I thought, well, we'll either make it or we won't, and I can't do any more than that. However, When uh, Rishi Sunak announced Bounce Back, I thought, yeah, that's great. That might help us. And I know it's a loan, but it's a loan that can help to sustain the business. And it went live on Monday. I applied for it at 8 o'clock on Monday morning and it was in my bank yesterday. So that was amazing. That was amazing.
0: So what more would you think the government could do at this particular point in time to support organisations like yours and the wider social care sector?
1: I think the government have have done a really good job of what they've done so far. I don't think they asked for this when they uh, took over the government. They're they're trying to recognise all sectors, aren't they? But it's always community interest companies and, and social enterprises that kind of get missed out. And I think they need to be aware of that because we're out there on the front line and we kind of feel very forgotten about because everybody's thinking about, like you say, the NHS and care homes, but we're out there. We're doing a good job, but we're forgotten about. Just remember that we're here too. And I think when nobody knows what's going to be said about lockdown and how we come out of that. But as I said, I think we and the care homes are going to be later coming out of it. We need some support for that period.
0: I won't ask you to comment directly on your own business here. But there's a sense, I think, from the media reporting for the public that many people that work in the care sector, in private sector and in local government, particularly the, the carers themselves, are underpaid. Is this something that you could see changing as a result of this pandemic? Because there's often a the talk about how we can reappraise the view of certain roles in society. And even before this, there were issues and concerns about cuts to local government care funding. Do you think that there, there could be a push there to raise wages in the wider care sector?
1: I think there ought to be, absolutely think there ought to be. I mean, I've used a scenario on many occasions where a shelf filler in a supermarket, and I don't decry cry then because they're doing an amazing job at the moment as well, but gets paid more than a carer. And you have to really care to be a carer. I pay my staff more than a lot of care organisations do, but I'm up against then when I bid to, say, the local authority that I'm too expensive. And the reason I'm too expensive is because I pay my staff more money and I, I would rather not have a contract. Than to lose money it does need to be looked at but i'm not sure how that will happen
0: it's very hard to see indeed well judy it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you if we want to find out more about your organization where can we find you online
1: we have a website www.appointerservices.co.uk we have a facebook page appoint us services and we're also on twitter which is at appoint underscore us
0: that's great Judy thank you very much for joining me today if you've liked it please do leave us a review on iTunes you can find the Groucho Tendency at www.thegroucho.uk Liam Kay and I will be back in a week or so with our usual round of the news until then please do keep an eye on the blog I've been Mike Indian thank you very much for listening